You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me Joe Thrash and Kill You're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show Joined today by the good and golden boy The internet's sweetheart You know him you love him. He's the 365 Days of Horror, or as I like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We got one of those theme shows for this week. You want to dive right in, or you want to bullshit for a few? Eh, people like the bullshit, right? I guess so. Uh, really, I, I don't have anything going on, man. I just worked a lot this week. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, I, do, I am enjoying right now. It was like 85 degrees on Friday, which gross. And now it's 50 degrees and cloudy and gloomy, and I just, ah, ah, it feels so good. I love this weather. Nice, a little October and June for you. All the uh, all the goth kids in Rhode Island are celebrating morosely. <laughs> yes, we're all dancing in place, taking puffs of our clove cigarettes, listening to Bauhaus. Hey, speaking of which, uh, I, I know I told you I bought tickets to see uh, The Cure. Uh, I completely fucking just missed the concert. I forgot it was happening. Oh, no. I like, because I was Google. I Googled it the other day when I was coming home from work. Like, I think the concert is like next weekend. And I Google uh, The Cure Dallas. And I ha- I'm watching video of the performance that I bought oh. tickets for and did not see. Um, I don't think I've had a moment where I felt so fucking stupid is that in like years, to be honest with you. You were like Lyle Landley in the uh, Monorail episode. North Haverbrook, where have I heard that name before? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that sucks. I'm so sorry. I, I, I just, man, I, I really, I don't know how I fucked it up that bad. That's like one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, I, I blame it just on like the working world kind of grinding you down because I'm sure it was a night that I just finished a long ass shift and I was so brain dead that I didn't even think about it. You got to put those alerts and stuff in your phone to remind you. I know. So, uh, folks out there, uh, don't make my mistake. If you buy a ticket to something, fucking put it in your phone calendar, because I just thought I would remember, and I, I fucking didn't. Put it in your phone, put the tickets on the refrigerator, something. Fucked up, but I shall not fuck up again. Probably not, anyway. Uh, At least it wasn't too expensive? <sighs> it wasn't too expensive, thank you. Uh, specifically to Robert Smith for taking Ticketmaster to task, making sure that, you know, those fees weren't going to be too astronomical. <sighs> Fucked up. Joe's don't, Joe's don't cry, remember. Ex- exactly. Um, last week, I wanted to cover something on the show, but I forgot. Again, I'm, I think I'm just like developing early stage Alzheimer's from smoking weed out of like Coke cans when I was a teenager. Uh, so again, if you're a teenager listening to the show, don't do that either. That's going to just bite you right in the ass in years coming up. Uh, but, uh, there, there was a, a news story I wanted to cover, uh, metal or zombie metal sucks rather, uh, posted about a band called, uh, Houston Taipei. You ever, you ever heard him? Tokyo hotel, right? Something like that. Uh, and it's like, uh, I don't know. Wait, who is Tokyo hotel? They were an early 90s, I think, emo band, and I just remember them from my old message board days of people making fun of how they looked because they had, like, the very, like, emo lion mane hair and the eyeliner and looking very 
androgynous. I'm just searching really quickly, looking for cancellations. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of another uh, another band that had a very similar aesthetic in those MySpace. Blood days. on the dance floor. That's the one. <laughs> uh, that's why. That's why we're so good on the mic together. We're right there. You're you're right on my mind. Um, but no, Houston Taipei is notable for exactly one reason. Do you know reason that is? They are the progeny of Lars Ulrich of Metallica. Yep. Yep, and if uh, if you're you know paying close attention, you can kind of gather what we're getting at here on the show. This is a nepotism episode, folks. Let's let's have some sirens, let's have some applause, some ticker tape parade. It's nepotism. Let's let's do it. Um, <clears throat> this article here uh, in Metal Sucks published uh, May twenty seventh. Ulrich Brothers Band Taipei Houston drop new video. So you can tell it's good when the first thing mentioned in the headline is that it's the kids of Lars Ulrich. I think that's a good sign, right? It lets you know exactly what you get. You're not going to get Metallica. You're not going to get Lars. You're getting his kids. The least talented member of the band, his his shitty fucking children. So here we go. Uh, it is well known at this point that Miles and Lane Ulrich, the sons of Lars Ulrich, have a band, Taipei Houston, and they rip. All right, citation needed there. Mandy Scythe of Zip Metal Sucks. <laughs> I mean, I question if people do know that, I mean, that this band exists, that Lars has kids, any of these things, but we'll go with it. We'll pretend that that's true, and we'll also... Pretend that they do indeed rip. Yeah, I because I I had not paid attention to uh, the personal life of Lars Ulrich. I did not know he had uh, silly named children, or that they had a band, or that the band ripped. So this is all new information for me. And I'm looking. I just for- I just assumed that he lived under a bridge until it was time to go on tour. Exactly. Uh, it says they've dropped a new uh, tour video for the song Frequency. Uh, the song is from the band's debut album. Once Bit Never Bored, released last year in November via C3 Records. Now, C3 Records, I think, is most famous to me for uh, kicking out uh, any rival uh, festivals from Austin, Texas. C3 runs ACL Fest, Austin City Limits Fest, and uh, they were notoriously litigious and uh, use... Uh, strong arm tactics to chase off any kind of independent uh, music from the city. So, uh, you know, already feeling pretty good about this. <laughs> They're the WWF of Austin festivals, apparently. Uh, well, it's 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 across the the nation, actually globally. I think they do. Um, oh God, uh, think of a think of a big shitty music festival. Carolina Rebellion. Uh, probably not that one. I think they do like Lollapalooza and shit like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the band say about the record, To us, Taipei Houston is about going against the grain in every aspect. We live in a time that is ripe, with extremely difficult and confusing challenges. Technology grips the world more and more. Politics have become so polarized. We are heading towards climate disaster. This music is born and bred out of the contemporary, buzzing, digital anxiety we all experience, and how we can try to escape those feelings, even for a second. What the fuck is this? We stand for everything 
and nothing. Like, what is this fake ass like uh, investor speak for some bullshit Juicero esque tech company speech? Like, we like smooth peanut butter and creamy peanut butter. This band is born out of the challenges facing global climate catastrophe. No, it's not. This is this is your you and your shitty brother's little nepo project. Anyway, Miles adds, we wrote the majority of an album, which we've now finished, and we're kind of figuring out how to play it all live because we just recorded all of it. And aren't they just aren't they just drum and guitar? They're just drum and bass. Drum and bass. So what's there to figure out live? <clears throat> Apparently they fucked around too much in the studio and added too many things and now they can't do it live. So Why don't you just grab a laptop like every other young band that's around now. It's fine. I mean, they could probably hire somebody who actually needs to like make money to pay rent. But who the fuck, you know, why the fuck would you yeah. do that? I mean, Robert Trujillo's kid can actually play guitar. So yeah. just ask him. I guess so. Anyway, it says, and because we both play so much guitar and all the instruments, it was like, why don't we just scale it back and make a crazy two-piece thing instead of trying to find more people that you gel with and the vibe is right? Why don't we just keep it simple and weird? Lame. So, so that means, well, sorry, I don't mean to keep cutting you up, but what they need to do is, you know those one-man musicians yeah. on the corner that have like the drum bass strapped to them, they're playing guitar, and they have a trumpet attached. And that's what they need to do. Man, I was re-watching uh, Hell or High Water the other night. You ever seen that one? Yes, I have. Um, there's a great bit uh, in the casino where there's a song playing uh, by Scott Byram, who used to play at the bar I live next to, uh, like right, pretty much on a week a weeknight basis. He called himself the Dirty Old One-Man Band. And it's just like absolutely psychotic, like hillbilly type sounding music. Again, all done by one man. And it's so impressive. And then to compare it with what these guys got, it's just, man, I can't, I can't fucking deal with it. Can't do Can't deal with it. Sorry. Lane here says, cause also that way we can hit the ground running. You got to find people you like, you got to get them into this stuff. You got to teach them it that way. Literally just coming straight from us, having written all of it together, we can just hit the ground running like that. So. Let's let's listen to what this sounds like, if that's all right. How about how, how does that sound? Yes, I'm sure people are curious what the children of Lars Ulrich sound like with their um, environmentally conscious band. I guess what the fuck ever. Here is Type A Houston with Frequency. This sucks, man. Like all all that. I think the music does fit in well with their nothing bland press release that they put out with it. Just like, yeah, that sounds exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, nothing. It, it, it sounds like low calorie popcorn. You know, there's there's nothing going on here. Uh, but I'm glad that you know they could address the digital divide and growing polarization in politics with it, or whatever the fuck they're talking about. God, go to hell, you little bastards. Even though they're younger than us. I know, I know. Um, anyway, uh, there is zero chance you would ever, ever in a million years hear about this band if they were not the children of Lars Ulrich. Am I wrong about that? Do you think Do you think it could have happened otherwise? No, like everything about this band is generic. Right. From the name to the sound to what they're talking about. This is any band that you would wander into a bar and see playing watch for two minutes, and then wander out to have your mojito. 
I guess the reason why we're doing this show is, I mean, everybody knows that the music industry, just like, you know, the movie industry and the art world, basically any kind of creative space is pretty much the playground of, you know, rich children of famous people who themselves were the rich children of famous people. Um, If not performers themselves, then, you know, the people that handle all the money. Um, And I think the thing that probably uh, endears folks to the kind of heavy metal that we really get into, uh, the kind of uh, music that probably a dozen people have bought on their Bandcamp page and literally nobody else knows about it, is that it's just made by normal working Joes. Uh, so covering some of these bands that have cross invaded our space with, you know, uh, wealthy, well-known parents, I just, I feel like it's our duty to highlight this a little bit, poke at it, see if any of it's good and mostly make fun of these dipshits. What do you think? Yeah, it's, you know, there's every couple of years, not even a couple of years, every couple of months, it seems like there's internet discussions about nepotism and nippo babies and good bad whatever you go on wikipedia and you look someone up and you see their parents names have blue hyperlinks so you kind of get tipped off and it's interesting to actually listen to some of these things especially some of it being older and some of it being coming out right now and seeing if it's any good if they acknowledge that their parents helped them or not like you know some actors and actresses do i think uh, like jamie lee curtis is like yes I am here because of my parents. They are part of my success. And then you have, I don't know, like Alana Del Rey, who was like very quiet about who her parents are and like tried to pose as some sort of independent, deep artist when, you know, you're born on third base. So that's why people are hearing you now instead of the person down on your corner bar struggling to make ends meet, but having a beautiful voice. I mean, I guess it kind of cuts both ways. Nick Cage famously, you know, uh, changed his name because he didn't want to be known as, you know, the 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 child of uh, fucking uh, Francis or the uh, was it nephew of, nephew, I think. of Francis Ford Coppola. But at the same time, like, I don't know if there's anybody can, who can do exactly what Nick Cage does. Sometimes, you know, you're you're. Uh, shitty little Nepo baby is actually an, a once-in-a-generation talent. <laughs> and it's funny you bring him up because there's some nepotism for him with his son, uh, Wes Cage. I think his name is Wes Cage. Had a black metal band, Eyes of Noctum. Now, I always confuse uh, his with uh, Kevin Bacon's Crust Punk Kid. <laughs> and I would really like a black and crust punk band out of these two kids. I think that would be a lot of fun for everybody involved. Yeah, and you could buy their music on Bandcamp and be one of the 12 people. Um, absolutely. And then we can do a whole other show about this. Like, I can't believe you people are supporting these Nepo babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so suffice to say, like... Uh, it sucks uh, that, you know, all of uh, creative expression is pretty much in the hands of uh, people who don't need to do this to survive. Uh, and then the rest of it is being pushed out by like AI horseshit. <laughs> uh, but what can you do except maybe have a little fun with it? You know, we, we spent the week, we went, uh, we went through the archives. Um, what, what's a good Nepo band you want to you wanna talk about here? We could talk about one of the bigger ones that are going on right now and it's actually some good synergy we weren't planning on this it's just 
we already had the idea for the show going into this when an article came out this week that talks about the band Vended, which features the sons of Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Sean Crahan from Slipknot. And this article from Loudwire is titled, Corey Taylor says he didn't have to help his son Griffin with anything. He didn't have to, but he did anyway. <laughs> That's because he's a good father. He cares. Yeah. Slipknot's Corey Taylor has said that he didn't have to help his son, the 20-year-old vended vocalist Griffin Taylor, with anything. Corey also praised Griffin's band and further shared details about the connection that's grown between the two as fellow musicians. Vended, the metal act that features Griffin, along with another Slipknot kin, Simon Crahan, son of percussionist Sean Clown Crahan, have opened for their dad's group at various Knotfest dates and continue to play other music festivals with Slipknot. So he, he, he was saying that he, he didn't have to help his kid, and yet they opened for Slipknot at various shows, right? And he's 20 years old. <clears throat> I see. Interesting. Okay. But from the way Corey seemed to put it in a new interview, that's apparently not because of him. My son, I didn't have to help him with anything, Corey tells Battleline Podcast. He's out on the road with his band, and they're killing it. The Slipknot singer continues, in a way, that's brought he and I even closer, because now he really, really gets it. And we talk now more than we ever have. To me, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, so he's he's basically saying, like, we didn't help them, or, like, we didn't need to help them, but we did anyway. Right. Which, come on. Well, I mean, if you didn't need to, you could have just not and then seen what happened. Like that, that's one way you could have gone about it instead of actually helping them and saying, well, maybe I didn't need to. <laughs> I mean, to stick them on these big festivals, even if it's first, you're just playing in front of way more people than they ever would have if they had to be one of these local bands selling tickets. I had never heard Vended until this week. And... I've only listened to one track. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they have a variety of different songs or whatever. Uh, but I clicked Dead to Me, D-E-D to Me, uh, on YouTube, which has 2.3 million views, uh, despite coming out eight months ago. Good job, fellas. Really nice. And it's pretty clear what this is, which is... Slipknot. This is what Slipknot sounded like in like 1999. Is it? Is it not that directly? Am I missing something here? I hear it as late stage Slipknot. I hear it as, you know, uh, All Hope is Gone, their last album where they're not c quite as manic and crazy as they were in their younger days. Like there's a lot of the, the background stuff from early Slipknot you don't hear in this because there's no DJ there's no sound guy. There aren't people hitting kegs with baseball bats. So it's just the music of Slipknot with some of the gimmick, but not all of the gimmick. So let's let's call it anemic Slipknot then. <laughs> Diet Slipknot. Diet Slipknot. Um, the vocalist Griffin uh, likes to uh, put paint on his body and, uh, you know, he's a wild guy or whatever. Uh, he sounds just like his dad. He does. He sounds exactly like his dad. Uh, the bass player, of course, is wearing a mask. Because how could you not, right? You have to. You have to. 
this is this is exactly what you think it is and i find that i find that disappointing like you could be anything and instead you're just trying to be a copy of your your parents and that's 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 so lame that that's incredibly lame to me but yeah i don't know i, I think it's probably the most success that they could possibly have if they want to do music is like if they were doing what uh what was it mekong delta home uh what? lars's kids band <laughs> Type A Houston. <laughs> right. If you were doing that, but you were like Slipknot kids, I don't think people, I think people would automatically write it off. Whereas in this situation, it's just like, I like dad's band. I will listen to kids band. It's the same thing. It's no, it, it makes sense. It, it, this is exactly what you should be doing. If you want to be successful within this very narrow lane that you have in front of you, I just hate it. <laughs> is that fair? Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not really a Slipknot fan to begin with. So I went over to the Slipknot, uh, subreddit, <laughs> uh, the post are the Donald. Yeah. <laughs> this post here from at scientific redditor. Very good. Uh, just saw Vended and I don't know why people say they are bad. Found out them like, found out about them like two weeks ago. And from six songs alone, I could tell they are very good. Now I just saw them live, and they have so much energy, holy shit, I would go to a solo vended concert, but the chances they come to Poland are very slim. Maybe less slim now, because I think that this is the audience that has come for vended, opening during the whole Knotfest tour, and the floor was going wild. They even played a new song, and it was amazing. I'm waiting for more. So, you know, uh, you're putting yourself out in the public forum, so, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from that. And uh, according to the Slipknot subreddit, Diet Slipknot, also very good. I've seen them five... great, less filling. Exactly. HopelessMind43 says, I've seen them five times, and their live shows are always a blast. I understand the shit they get for having famous parents, but they are truly great musicians. Simon's a fantastic drummer. Griff has a killer voice. But honestly, I think JJ, the bassist, is the most important piece of the band. He brings a great presence as well as some salty licks. Salty licks? What is he, a horse? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, all of these people are very happy to see the children of the band that they like doing well. Chef Boy RD says... Because people have a need to be weird, hipster, contrarian, nerd gatekeepers about shit they have little to no experience with themselves. Everyone wants to jump on the, quote, nepotism bandwagon when it comes to them while completely disregarding any actual creative artistic merit they may have just so they can feel like a cool metal sucks journalist. I'm personally not super independent currently, but I can definitely see the potential they have to be great in a few short years. What do you think? Of, what do you think about that comment from Jeff, Chef Boy RDs? That they're going to be great in a few years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. But again, to my point, it's just you have an audience already made for you, so you might as well just slip in as a perfect fit and just give them the slop they want, especially with. Slipknot kind of starting to slow things down and who knows how many albums they got left in them. Here you go. Here's a whole audience of millions of people across the world that'll probably like you. Yep. Makes sense. Um, you know, in that way, they don't have to hang it up entirely. They can, you know, uh, eventually just have their kids take over in Slipknot. <laughs> it can just be like an ongoing project uh, that, you know, just stays the same forever. 
And was it the Sid Wilson now has a child with Kelly Osborne? So there's a new band that can come out in 15, 16 years for you. And they're just the more kids that Slipknot members have, the more other bands they can create and just set up franchises across the country. Yeah, it's pretty good. The least talented member of Slipknot uh, joining up with, you know, tried and, you know, unfortunately failed uh, nepotism baby Kelly Osborne. I remember, uh, you know, the, the heyday of the Osbournes, the reality show, and, you know, just there was a big, big push to make something out of Kelly and nothing happened, man. <laughs> yeah, she briefly had a music career with music videos showing up on TRL when that was still somewhat relevant. Um, the The biggest one I recall, I think, was the Papa Don't Preach cover that she did with Ozzy. Yeah, she did that. She had her own song that like, I have in my head, but I don't remember exactly what it was called. And um, she also did, it was on OzFest, I think around that year, she did guest vocals with Andrew WK for The Girl Is Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> overall, you know, you can, you can put it out there to the entire American public, but the American public has to buy into it. And with this, it just was a resounding no. I feel like she got as much traction as, say, like, Brooke Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she tried to do the singing thing for a while. I, I remember I was still in high school at the time. She was supposed to play the local venue, Birch Hill Nightclub in Old Bridge, New Jersey. And I think due to low ticket sales, they canceled it. Oh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. And then she disappeared for a while, and now she's like a fashion critic person that's on E. Hmm. She should, uh, it seems like she's following more in her mother's footsteps than, uh, than her father's. Or Joan Rivers. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I mean, it's only a matter of time before she says something like incredibly racist on the show and gets her own Fox program like her mom. <laughs> Not even Fox, like Fox Nation Online. Oh yeah, you have to have like a subscription to this streaming only <laughs> streaming only content. Uh, so that's good. That that'll be fun, I think. Um, Iron Maiden. How do you feel about Iron Maiden? Everyone loves Iron Maiden, right? I mean, I I certainly do. Uh, I don't think I've ever encountered anybody that's like that band fucking sucks. Uh. Only people kicked out of Iron Maiden. Essentially, yeah. Paul Deanna was like, Iron Maiden kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, but uh, Steve Harris, uh, bass player of Iron Maiden, has a few kids. Um, one, one Lauren Harris. Do you know Lauren Harris? I do, and I wouldn't be surprised if people don't, because she doesn't really do music anymore. And uh, you got to go back pretty much 10 to 15 years to hear any of her stuff that's in like super low quality on YouTube. Yeah, um kind of kind of generic uh you know, heavy metal kind of stuff. Not really that interesting. The quality that we could put on the show is not very good, but uh she disappeared for a while and you and I were trying to figure out exactly what uh she was up to instead. Uh and we found out. Um she has uh a track on uh, YouTube from the channel Integrity Music mm. uh, from four years ago uh, with a band called New Wine Worship, a song mm. called You Restore My Soul featuring Lauren Harris, official live mm. video 
almost 100,000 views here. Um, what, does this mean anything to you? Do these words mean anything to you? It seems to all have a religious bent to it. You would be correct. This, I know you had questions a few uh, episodes back about, like, what is contemporary Christian music? This is contemporary Christian music. Is it everything you hoped for? I sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, she didn't have much of a music career before. It was like very generic ACDC rock music, playing in front of a lot of people. Uh, I think Lauren Harris did open for Iron Maiden a few times, so there's that good old nepotism for you. And this is what it leads up to. For the most part, she hasn't really done music in a long time, which... I kind of respect it. If it doesn't work out, it's good for you to stop and just have a real life. But I guess she's throwing her voice behind uh, praising him and his works. Well, you know who the original nepotism baby was? Jesus. That's it. That's exactly it. So uh, good. Good for her for this, I guess. Um, I know that, you know, if you're if you're a parent, you love all your children. You know, you want to support them in all their decisions. But it's got to be tough if you're like a... You know, an '80s heavy metal guy, uh, and you know, you you went through all of the uh, the drama uh, back in the day of people accusing you of leading children to like satanic suicide or whatever, and then seeing your kid go the way of like a born again Christian, you know. Well, I think for a lot of celebrities, uh, in particular, like musicians, athletes, professional wrestlers, it happens a lot. Once their success starts to go away or they get older, a lot of them become born-again Christians. I think they've uh, ruined their life in a lot of different ways, and it's kind of the only way out to try to be a better person. So I don't know. Maybe Steve Harris is somewhere along those lines too and just kind of keeps it quiet. Could be. Could be. Uh, But Steve Harris has other kids as well. Uh, Now, you alerted me to this other one. What, what, What band is this? Would this be the Raven Age? It would be the Age of Ravens. I was not familiar with this one until this week. I am not a fan of this Raven Age. <laughs> They've been around a while. They've been around almost like 15 years at this point. And they're kind of one of those bands where you don't really know them, but they're somehow opening up for Iron Maiden on certain tours or a couple of other bands. And that's because it is his son, <laughs> George Harris, right? George Harris is the founding member of the Raven Age, started in 2009. So yeah, it's been together. They've been together for a long time. I would like you to do me a favor, will you please? Mm-hmm. Will you open the Raven Ages Wikipedia page? Mm-hmm. I'm there. Will you look at their profile picture there? Yes, I see them. What in the fuck is up with their vocalist uh, Tommy Gentry? Look at this fucking asshole. 
the long hair comb over. Yeah, it's which is you know that's been a the, the Skrillex hair or whatever, but the the volume to it, like this is, he really does look kind of like a a middle aged mom just with it shaved on the sides. It's has a color and thickness similar to Trump's hair. Very very much so. Uh, so, despite the fact that they've been together since 2009, um, the band only has three records. Uh, I watch a very recent uh, song from the band. Um, uh, let's see, it is uh, Parasite. Uh, dropped three months ago, has 140,000 views on YouTube. It sounds like Avenged Sevenfold if you removed all the talent. Yeah, it's very much in line with Avenged Sevenfold, Atreyu. I got a lot of Atreyu vibes. That sort of uh, post-metalcore at this point kind of sound, like very smooth, clean-sounding, the sort of heavy verses, the very clean choruses. This is the kind of thing that I would see when I can't sleep and I'm up at 3.30 in the morning and I put on the Vivo Hard Rock channel. (laughs) It just... Bands where you just kind of know the name, or in some cases you've never heard of them, but somehow they're getting played on these channels and getting views on YouTube. It's like, I don't want any part of it, but it's fine, I guess. Like, we're listening to way worse bands on this show. Oh, yeah, for I, sure. It, you know, they're, they're one of those bands where nothing sets them apart from any of these other ones, so their only way of success would be to cover a pop song and get lucky on youtube be like a a bad omens one of those bands Mm -hmm. that we bring up every end of year show when we look at the most listened to youtube songs and then we never hear them again or somehow they're you know they're opening for a falling in reverse or you're the son of a famous musician i would like to share with you uh, a few comments from this youtube video if that's okay because you know what we're saying here is this band is fine it's generic if anything but it's not like objectively awful uh but like here we go uh this comment from mika says you guys are the true saviors of metal music amazing work once again i can't wait to see you in finland this june now this motherfucker is from finland where actual like extreme metal hits their billboard charts like the top 10 every every month this is the band that does it for this guy can you explain they don't that like to me? they don't they don't like all that corporate black metal bullshit they need the real stuff like the raven age <sighs> there's a, a tw- there's a comment from um a guy who goes by those once loyal official so again that would be a reference to bolt thrower this guy says, you guys don't have the ability to release a bad song. Amazing stuff. What is going on here? <laughs> I wonder if it's a band called Those Once Loyal that are trying to hype them up in an effort to like have them discover them. Like what uh, happened with um, Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, uh, just nothing but effusive praise uh, all throughout these comments. Lots and lots and lots of very good very supportive comments. Uh, congrats, guys! I pause Hogwarts Legacy to listen to this, and it was worth. Oh, it. Oh, that I'm can't s- be a real. That can't be real. I'm sorry, man. Uh, that's a real comment here from Chang Glorious Bastard. Uh, so this is this is what you get. 
This is uh this is the hot new up and coming sounds that people are excited about in heavy metal. How do you feel about that? Good luck. Let's move on a little bit here. Uh, let's go back in time a little bit, if that's okay. Going uh, back in time. One of the, well, not one of the, the first heavy metal band. What what was it? Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Uh, you know, uh, old Geezer Butler, right? Yes, everyone knows old Geezer Butler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he had a kid uh, who had his own band. Uh, was it Biff Butler? That's not a real name, right? Biff Butler. It's a nickname. Yeah. Terrence is his real name. Uh, okay. Uh, he had a band uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s called Apartment 26. And they got a lot of push on exactly one track. And I don't, I don't think I've actually heard anything else from them. What was that song? Well, people who are part of our Patreon, patreon.com slash hell can go back a few months and you asked me to put together a new metal playlist and I included Apartment 26 on it. You certainly did. Uh, but for folks that are maybe more casual or don't subscribe to the, uh, the Patreon, uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about their, their brush with fame? Well, they were on the Heavy Metal 2000 soundtrack. I know mm-hmm. that. They were on the High Fidelity soundtrack. I know really? that. They were. Huh. And what else? There was one more soundtrack they were on. Uh, Mission Impossible 2. That's the one that I was thinking of. Like, that's the, that was the big one in my mind. Everybody I knew owned that one. <laughs> it's the one with the Metallica song that goes, wow, 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 wow. Hey, hey, hey. And had the video of people trying to kill Lars. Yep. You'll get him next time. <laughs> See, so yeah, it's the son of Geezer Butler doing like industrial new metal music. And they started off like on Hollywood Records and then Atlantic Records and were on a bunch of well-known soundtracks like Heavy Metal 2000, High Fidelity, Tales from the Crypt apparently had a metal soundtrack, huh. um, Mission Impossible 2, Ozfest, Peck Sun, a whole bunch of things. So they started off on the on third base, as it were, put out music that was at the time – it worked because you had Spawn soundtrack. You had kind of the industrial heavy metal scene going on. And then that died by the mid-2000s. And with it went their record contract, and then the band disappeared. Damn shame, but it happened to a lot of bands. Uh, and you actually know most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have a long memory. Um, the the big track that they had uh, backwards, uh, it's so very, like, the year 2000 because it opens with an amen break (laughs) and EDM and electronic music has had a, a resurgence over the past 10 years I'd say so you'd figure maybe some of these bands would make a comeback, especially with nostalgia festivals being the way they are. But it, it doesn't really seem that we've gotten any sort of return to the industrial new metal sound from the late 90s. I've seen a lot of bands threatening to return with a V and with laser eyes and all of that to these days, but I've yet to hear it happen. So keep keep working at it, guys. Uh, maybe we'll get there one day. Um. Let's talk about one that really sucks, if that's okay. 
Uh, Motor Sister. Are you familiar with Motor Sister? I am. I. They were on Metal Blade Records a few years ago, and I think they, stu- the they t- still are. They. I think they have a record coming out right now. Oh no! Yeah, this is this is nepotism at its worst, and it's not. Uh, well, I mean, it is someone's child, but there's an added nepotism bonus to it. Yeah. Uh, who 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 is this? Can you tell us? This is Meatloaf's daughter, Pearl, right? Pearl Aday, uh, daughter of Meatloaf Aday, known for... Um, uh, Doing anything for love, but not that. Yeah, for the Bad Out of Hell thing, for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where he's a biker guy that dies immediately. I still I don't really understand that movie. Uh, he's. Uh, I saw that movie when I was way too young. Same, same. Uh, there's a, they used to show it on VH1 all the time. Really? Hmm. Yeah, at just, like regular hours. No wonder we're all screwed up. Uh, the, he was in um, Fight Club. Um, mm-hmm. Black Dog with Patrick Swayze. Oh, hell yeah. Now we're talking, brother. <laughs> I just watched that like two weeks ago. Bunch of other shit. I forget, though. Anyway, uh, he was a famous guy. Uh, he died from COVID because he was uh, he turned to a right-wing crank and didn't want to get the vaccine. Uh, but his, uh, his daughter is alive and still kicking and married to Scott Ian. You know Scott Ian? I've heard of him from Anthrax and that crummy side band with the guy from Fallout Boy. Oh, yeah. And now he's playing with Mr. Bungle and just does a whole bunch of things other than Anthrax. I added him on Twitter the other day. He did not respond to Coward. <laughs> he didn't reciprocate the follow? No, no, he did not. Um, let's see. This, uh, this band that they have together is Motor Sister. Here's from Metal Blade. They say, Motor Sister is a serious rock act, which is, of course, the thing you say if you don't want me to suspect immediately that you're not a serious rock act. Uh, let's see. Singer Pearl Aday is the daughter of Meatloaf and wife of Scott Ian of Anthrax. Scott is the band's guitarist. John Tempesta of White Zombie and the Cult is on drums. Joey Vera of Armored Saint is on bass, and Jim Wilson of Mother Superior is also a singer and guitarist for the band. So you got a lot of people here, right? It's always funny when a band has member of this famous band, member of this famous band, some bassist. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, can you call it a super group? I mean, you think it would. It's like it has Scott Ian, it has Joey Vera, and then some guy. Some guy um i know it's a friend or a studio person or whoever that's available so you can do this vanity project but it's always just like and bill i i don't have high i didn't have high hopes for this to be honest with you the only thing i've ever heard that scott ian does that i like is like sod and even then i'm not going to really cop to liking sod because it's racist horseshit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I think that's the best guitar work he ever did, and that was, again, like 35 fucking years ago. Uh, he has had a lot of projects. He's always around, and I don't really like what he does. It's not it's not him. It's me, I guess. Uh, so I didn't have high expectations for this, but, man, listening to the song right there, just like that, uh, that was released one year ago, boy, this is one of the worst songs I've heard in a very long time. What do you think? 
not good. It's music for people that enjoy Rolling Rock and Burger King. It is obnoxious hard rock about hard rocking. This this is my pl- platonic ideal of what butt rock is. You know, like we ha- we have that debate. Like, what exactly does it mean? And right there, just like that, by Motor Sister, fucking Meatloaf's Kid is butt rock. It's completely generic riffs, completely replacement level, like first grade reading level lyrics about like rocking and fucking and drinking. There is not two brain cells to rub together between this entire track. And music for music for people that like to dry hump at Sturgis. Essentially. Uh, the comments on this one, they're a little bit more struggle bus. For the most part, it's people that are just like, I like Scott Ian and I liked uh, I liked uh, Meatloaf and I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> uh, a few other people at the bottom are like, what the fuck is this, though? And I thank you for speaking truth to power, guys. And it's it's these situations, whether it's the nepotism stuff or side bands when they get signed to a metal blade or other well-known labels, it's always frustrating because that could have been a spot for a new band. You could have made a new band popular. You could have gotten something out of it, but instead you're using your resources to like do a friend a favor. Essentially. Um, what does anybody get out of this one? I couldn't tell you. I, I would like to meet the person whose favorite band is motor sister though. Uh, I think I, I don't could, think that's possible. That's not possible. If 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 they do exist, I bet I can sell them Trump bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's just I feel like there's some of these bands where it's they're just an opener for a real band that you want to see, and you just kind of politely sit through it. But uh, would someone discover this and be like, "Yes, this is it. This is my favorite thing now," because it's it's not even something unique or different where you can spark something in someone's interest. There's dozens of bands that sound like this, right? And have for years. Hundreds. So why would why like, would Motor Sister be the one? If you go to your local JPO Drinkingtons on a Wednesday night, you can hear a band that's probably better than this. Playing songs you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're they're called like the Cadillacs with an AX <laughs> or the Pontiacs with an AX. <laughs> something mildly sexual. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I kind of want to jump off this just because it's so noxious to me, but like, this is like one of those farts, like, okay, everybody has to smell this for a bit and then we can move on. (laughs) And of course there's like plenty of nepotism in pop music. We can go on ad nauseum at some point, just talking about how like people that are popular now, like a Taylor Swift while her parents weren't musicians, they were involved in the music business. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're producers, you own labels, you maybe work in show business and have connections to get your kids in the studio or get them on the radio or TV shows or get their music in commercials. Get their music in commercials that they show on Hulu, which apparently is a thing now that is uh, horrible. It just shows 30 seconds of a music video of just the worst stuff ever. Um and then there's ones that like actually put out decent songs and have hit and then disappear. Like Eagle Eye Cherry is a good example. Save tonight, fight the break of dawn. They still play that song. The, it was I'll, still a hit. Like 
I, I, I realize that I have a ton of nostalgia just because I was a child when that con- song came mm-hmm. out, but I still think that's a good song. Yeah. Uh, His neat. voice is very nice. It's well put together and, you know, it's inoffensive in every way. There's also Nina Cherry, Eagle Eye Cherry's sister, who had a string of hits herself. My favorite is Buffalo Stance. I want everybody, when you finish this show, to go listen to Buffalo Stance and you're going to be like, damn, my hips are moving. <laughs> <laughs> So there are there is some good nepotism out there, and then you have things like Doctor Phil's son putting out music. Oh Christ! Uh, who who is this? Like oh, fuck, man! Like Doctor Phil's stupid ass show is always on TV in the break room at the hospital. <laughs> it like every day he does like eight hours of fucking television. It sucks. <laughs> I think the show's over now, but he did it for twenty years, so it's just on. No, no, ABC, dude. NBC, whenever any break room that exists, he's on it. Dude, like whatever fucking horseshit streaming only channel he's on right now, like he was doing an episode on cancel culture, like while I was, I had five minutes to eat a fucking sandwich the other day. It's like, this is torture. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about cancel culture. God, just fucking the worst kind of hokum. How many people do you think he's resp- like indirectly responsible for killing? It's got to be thousands. A couple of hundred at least. Yeah. Anyway, what's well, his yeah, dipshit he, kid up to? His son Jordan McGraw is a musician and uh, is still putting out music, but I did discover a music video for this song called She, uh, where it's like a Wheel of Fortune style video where he's dressed up as different people participating. And you want to talk about just baby shit soft music. <laughs> this is it. Let's do a little bit here. Jordan McGraw, don't quit your day job. Just f- fucking ruining it for everyone named Jordan, even Jordan Peterson. <laughs> you think this guy's the worst Jordan? No, but it doesn't help. Um, there's there's very few of us that are celebrities, and most of them suck. Uh, it's it's tough, you know. Uh, you have uh, again Doctor Phil, who is famous for I guess knowing Oprah. He's not like a doctor or anything. He just kind of fell into the spotlight this way. And his kid deciding maybe music is how I will make uh, make my way in the world. Whereas like uh, what is it? Uh, Rob Sh- Rob Schneider, that fucking moron. Like uh, his daughter has a music career, and like my wife is a big fan. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you just uh, after she plays a song, you have to play a clip of like the animal. Absolutely, yeah. And just constantly asking my wife if she's making copies. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was born in the year 2000. <laughs> You're just referencing Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> Nobody knows. No, I don't think I would, I would catch a Deuce Bigelow. Wait, no, no, no. There's, that's a huge bitch. There we go. I was, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Moving, moving on here a little bit. There is something I've wanted to talk about on the show for a very, very, very long time. I was uh, driving in my old car that had uh, Sirius uh, XM radio. Uh, Tony Hawk used to do a show on Sundays uh, on one of the channels where he would play punk rock songs or whatever that he liked. And I remember him playing this one absolutely atrocious song 
from a band that was called Emily's Army. And the thing about this that was notable is that Emily's Army was done by one of Billy Joe Armstrong uh, of Green Day, one of his kids. And like he says that, like, this is my friend Billy Joe Armstrong's kids band, essentially. Didn't, didn't exactly give it the glowing endorsement, but he still fucking played it on the show. And this song, I managed to find it just this morning after remembering this for over 10 years. Like, this has been in my mind for 10 fucking years after hearing it once. I want to share it with you, if that's okay. I don't want to listen to watch the radio. Boring music, pressing talk shows. But I need it. I got my record store. Punk music, final that was broadcast this by Emily's Army. What do you, what do you think about that? That is every 15-year-old kid's band. This motherfucker sang, like, this song came out in the year 2011, by the way. Uh, the, mm. I, I don't like the music on the radio. I want to hear the underground. It's like, you're fucking... You, you mean your dad's music? Yeah, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Anyway, this little bastard, this band later became Swimmers, S-W-M-R-S, after changing from Emily's Army and then broke up due to accusations of grooming. (laughs) So uh, perfect little capstone on that one, I would say. Uh, But you found something else uh, from the Green Day family tree that also just completely sucks ass. What is it? Yeah, his other kid is also a musician, and the band has gone through some name changes, but apparently they've settled on Ultra Q, which is a terrible name to use now. Terrible. (laughs) On the contrary, I feel like you kind of get a lot of listeners just like from YouTube YouTube recommendations gone awry. (laughs) By just the saddest middle-aged moms and dads whose kids don't visit them anymore for Thanksgiving. Correct. Uh, this song that came out one month ago, you sent me the video for it. This, it, it's a, it's tough. What is the most offensive to me out of all the music we're playing today? I, this might be up there though. It's, it's number one or number two. Yeah, it's a big number two. It's just cruddy indie rock with nothing behind it. And the music video for this is just the ugliest thing I've ever seen. The music video for this is, if you were wondering... Yes, it is AI generated, because of course it is. The song is called Rocket from their debut album, My Guardian Angel. like it is literally music made for infants like this is the kind of thing i think you would play if you have a colicky baby and you needed to fucking chill out like you don't want to their fans their fans just swaddle themselves when they see the world <laughs> like there's a guy you know going uh going through the venue like selling bootleg binkies <laughs> <laughs> um th- there's nothing to this man this is awful 
And yet we're hearing about it because it's someone's kid. Well, and at the very least, this has uh, 30,000 30, views. I don't think it's going to get too many more. I don't see this band. I don't see anything happening with this band. Do you? Unless they use Daddy's Connections to get put into a movie or a commercial. I guess so. But at the same time, like, if this is what you got to work with, like, you have the money. You have the connections. Hire a fucking songwriter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do better. Uh, moving on a little bit. Uh, let's let's kind of have a quick couple of quicker ones. Um, Lodi Kong, do you know Lodi Kong? It's the is it one or two kids from Max Cavalera? I think it's just the one. Also, I was hoping hmm. that you were gonna go. Yeah, it's like Donkey Kong's cousin. <laughs> it's a Diddy Kong, and um, wasn't there like a rapping Kong as well? Uh, Funky Kong. Funky Kong, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, no, Lodi Kong, uh, short-lived sludge band uh, from Max Cavalera's kid. Um, not a lot going on right here. Kind of dull if you ask me, but otherwise inoffensive. Let's just do a bit right here. Yeah, that was uh, Dreams and Visions from Lodi Kong. Dropped seven years ago, did nothing. I think the band is broken up now. I think they just occasionally open for one of Max Cavalera's projects, and I think his son plays sometimes with them as well. Yeah, he, he does, uh, which, you know, that's fine. You don't have to pay him. Yeah, that that works good. Um, it's like when uh, when people own a restaurant, they just have all their kids work as the cooks and servers, just so you don't have to pay them. Uh, that that really is the American dream, isn't it? Like forced labor of your children in your place of business. You get to stay in the house rent free that you grew up in. What's the problem? I mean, now that you know, in this economy, sure, it's fine. Um, one that I am seeing more and more and more and more and more, uh, but I actually hadn't listened to the music until like this morning. Mammoth W V H. Do you know Mammoth WVH? I've been seeing it like on uh, Carolina Rebellion, Rocklahoma-esque uh, festival lineups for a while. But do you know them? Yeah, it's a Wolfgang Van Halen, um, Eddie Van Halen's son, who just, I think in any given week, has an article about him on Blabbermouth. Yeah, most of the time uh, it's people writing about him talking about uh, his uh, famous father. Uh, or occasionally, uh, like clapping back at some uh, some old uh, metal dude on Twitter or whatever. Uh, don't really care about any of that, do you? Not particularly, but it is fun to see so someone who's very steeped in their past just getting torn to shreds by their favorite musician's kid. Yes, um, I I kind of have I, I I did not listen to. Mammoth WVH on purpose because I kind of have a, a little resentment in my mind for this kid. Um, you know, when Van Halen reformed uh, years ago, uh, they kicked out Mark Antony so that Wolfgang mm -hmm. could play bass, which I always yeah. thought was just such a shitty fucking move for a guy who has been there since the beginning and for is so good, like especially with the harmonies that he did. Uh, really not such a big fan of that. I know that that was not Wolfgang's decision, that was his father's decision, but at the same time, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little blowback for that, even if it wasn't your decision. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to Don't Back Down by Mammoth WVH uh, just this morning. Baby. 
visit you? Just rock music. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty generic. I mean, he plays and sings and does everything on his own, which is cool, but like, <clears throat> not not a lot like really sparking out to me here. Anything you want to add on this one? No. <laughs> I think you'd never hear of him if his last name wasn't Van Halen. Oh, absolutely. And it's not. not it's nothing against him. Uh, but of all of the, uh, you know, the nepotism babies currently working, uh, at least from the hard rock heavy metal space, this guy seems to probably be pulling the most weight. Uh, he's he is showing up on festivals uh, mm. and, you know, putting in the work, so to speak. So uh, will this ever become a thing that like people actually care about? I don't know. But he's there and there for the foreseeable future. Anybody else you want to talk about on this particular show? I think that's all I can think of for right now. Of course, you you got your Miley Cyruses. Of course. Who, uh, you're, you're no- Miley is notable, though, because she has completely eclipsed uh, her famous father. I, I'd like to see album sales because, I mean, her dad's song was a massive, massive, massive hit. So um, I'd be curious to see how it stacks up. Her dad also has the distinction of being in a David Lynch film, uh, something that Miley has not done yet either. So Ra- would- Radical Jack? <laughs> uh, he was in um, Mulholland Drive uh, as uh, the guy that was uh, fucking the director's wife and then beats up the director <laughs> uh, with his glorious mullet. Um, there is, you know, we, we can go through the history of, uh, nepotism, uh, in music and, you know, you'd be like, ah, oh, this person, you know, is connected to this person, you know, whatever, whatever. I would like to talk about a brief one that I found out about this week that I think is very, very fun. Do you remember Rockwell? I remember the name. Remind me which song. I always feel like somebody's watching me. me. And I get no privacy. Uh, Rockwell. uh, He had that one hit, Somebody's Watching Me, notable because Michael Jackson did the the chorus on that. And everyone thought it was a Michael Jackson song. Yes. um, But Rockwell, real name was Kennedy Gordy, son Mm. of Barry Gordy. The founder of Motown Records and the guy that screwed God knows how many musicians out of who knows how much money. Um, That was his only hit, never had any more success. And again, he only got push and again, only got Michael Jackson on that song because of Barry Gordy. But that's not where it ends with Barry Gordy. You know, a little band called LMFAO. I don't like. I can see them in my head. I remember what they look like. I remember them being very annoying. Very. I also annoying. remember them completely disappearing a few years ago. Uh, they had a few hits. Uh, they did, uh, you know, like the "Sorry for Party Rocking" thing. Again, if you wanted to date the 2010s with a style, that's what it looks like to me. Um, they did uh, "Shots" with Lil John. Shot, 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 shots. Um. A few other big hits and then kind of disappeared. Anyway, um, Barry Gordy is Red Foo's father and Sky Blue's grandfather. So this was a uncle-nephew duo. <laughs> like uh, Eddie and Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, very strange stuff. Very strange. Uh, anyway, Barry Gordy, uh, you know, sicking his uh, children on us from the grave. So very good stuff. Very good. Um, 
I know I've been fam- very familiar with Chet Hanks, sorry, Chet Hayes for a very long time, but are, are, do you know who Chet Hayes is? It is the fail son of beloved actor Tom Hanks. Yeah, I remember Gawker covering him over 10 years ago for being like a fucking dickhead that would uh, talk with like a, a patois. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the most obnoxious celebrity children in recent memory. It's it's tough to find one that's worse, I think. Um, and it's such a departure from his father and even his own brother. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, his brother has been like putting in the work like you know, shitty uh, roles in his father's movies for years, and nobody actually gives a shit about him. You gotta, you gotta pull a Chet Hayes if you want people to pay attention. I mean, he was also in the first season of the Fargo TV show, and he did well there. He was in. I think his big breakout role was like Orange County. Orange County. Yeah, yep. and no, nobody fucking remembers that either. So that movie won me concert tickets to see the Foo Fighters. Huh? What what happened there? <laughs> I was just driving around with your good friend Ron, Ron Verode, who people can go back and listen to our show with him, and listening to uh, 92.3 K-Rock, and it was one of those win tickets to see the Foo Fighters, if you can tell us, what was it exactly, it was the name of the movie and the song that the Foo Fighters do, and it was Orange County, and the song was the one. Oh, yeah. One tickets to see them. Um... I'm trying to think. Uh, no, it, it, was it Noel or who is the fucking? Uh, I don't know. I, the the guys from um, Oasis have children that are doing music now, uh, but they seem fucking awful. Uh, nothing will ever happen with these guys. Uh, I think that Gene Gallagher, Liam's kid, had a uh, music career that was side sidelined uh, because. Um, he, Gene Gallagher, along with Ringo Starr's grandson, got into a fight at a Tesco, which I think is the most English thing that's ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) That is extremely English. Oh, you nicked me mobile. (laughs) That's me, meat pie, mate. Um, but, you know, that's what we can look forward to in the future. Um, you know, dipshits having... Automotion is the name of... Liam Gallagher's kids band. I'm not even going to bother to listen to it. I don't care for Oasis to begin with. I'm not going to listen to this C- shit. Certain bands like Slint, King Crimson, Black Midi, Fat White Family, they've all influenced us. So mm. there you go. Sure. Uh, what do you think? Can we put can we put a cap on these Nepo babies for today? I think we can. And I think uh, we haven't done it yet, but do you want to end the show with some old metal magazine fun? Let's do it. You have something for us today? I do. Going back to a hit parader in 1988, here are a few letters that were sent into Hit Parader. Hell yeah. How the hell can you say that bands like Metallica and Slayer could whip the shit out of bands like Crew and ACDC? How hard is it for someone to get on stage, play one chord, bang their head, and mumble one word or two? (laughs) At least bands like Crew and ACDC make it sound like they write their songs. And that is from Flip. Now, yeah. further below, this is from, let's see, what's the person's name? Number one headbanger of Metallica in Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> Listen up, all you headbangers. You haven't listened to shit until you've listened to Metallica. They rule, man. And if you don't like it, fuck off. <laughs> what year is this? 
1988. Yeah, I I would think that people had probably heard Metallica by 1988. What do you think? Probably, but maybe things uh, get to got to West Virginia a little bit slower than the rest of the country. That's true. That is very true. And the the final letter, and I use that term lightly, is I think Doro Pesha's hot. I'd like to see a nude picture of her. <laughs> and that is from Anonymous. Uh, very smart move. You don't want to put your name on that one, Anonymous. <laughs> uh, for that and more, uh, look forward to an upcoming episode of our Patreon, where we're covering nothing but shit we pull from old metal magazines. You can get that and a whole shit ton of other content, bonus episodes, and playlists over at patreon.com slash hell. If you like us, uh, give us some money, and we'll give you things. Seems fair, right? Um, yes, lots of things, and uh, we're working on merch still. Things are happening. Things are moving. Yep, uh, I've got. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save the name for later. But yes, one of our famous friends is helping us out right now. Ooh. Uh, and that's it. We will see you all next time. Bye. You're listening to sixty six point six FM Radio, Radio. T O V H, the Flush.